You want to go pour some? No, because I don't want to get too tired. <laughs> right. I feel that. I know. I know. John handed it to me. I was like, huh, well, today's over. <laughs> Welcome to Book Talk Etc., a podcast bound to grow your TBR. I'm Tina from TBR Etc. And I'm Renee from It's Book Talk. This is a conversational podcast about books and more from two Midwest mood readers who are easily distracted by new releases. And today we are sharing additional book recommendations from our most listened to episode. We'll share something that we've been loving lately, review our latest read, and share our recent reads from the categories of three of your favorite topics. If you enjoy listening, we'd love for you to follow us on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. And if you have a quick minute, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts or sharing us on social media. It truly helps us connect with other book lovers. Hey, Tina. Hey, Renee. How are you? Um, great. Very excited to talk books because we've been keeping big secrets from each other. And it's been over a little over a week since we recorded. We had a little break. I know. We did have a little break. We're recording right after Thanksgiving. And so I'm like, oh, how do I how do I do this? Like I it, it feels like I'm out of practice, even though it's only been like a week or so. I know exactly. That's how I felt. And I don't know if we've ever kept like more secrets from each other. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Normally we know or have a general sense as to what the other's reading, but I honestly have no idea. And I hear you've got some good ones, like ones that you yes. weren't expecting to like as much as you did. Very unexpected. And Ooh. I don't think I would have read them without us deciding to do this episode. And mm-hmm. oh, which means it, it just makes me so happy because I loved a couple of these books so much. Mm, okay. All right. Let's let's get started. Okay. <laughs> Tell Teaser. me about your loving lately. All right. My loving lately this week is a podcast that I discovered called Best Laid Plans with Sarah Hart Unger. She's a wife, a mom of young kids, and a doctor who has a passion for planning and has brought that passion to her podcast. So this is a podcast about planners. Which I Ooh. never in a million years would have thought I would uh, have went down such a rabbit hole in listening <laughs> and enjoying. Right. I I have listened to, I mean, almost not all of her back episodes, but, but all the ones that really caught my eye. So what she does is she reviews paper planners and mm-hmm. oh, goes fun. into, and so she does all of the hard work because... I, side tangent, I have decided to go back to a paper planner because this year of using Google Calendar and my calendar on my phone has been mm-hmm. horrible for me. I don't know mm-hmm. if I, I remember putting alerts in for events or like appointments and then I don't know what happened. I never got them. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not used to, I just went I'm off not into the ether. feeling so scattered. And so I'm going back to a paper calendar. I'm going back to a paper planner. So this was perfect timing to discover her podcast. And she also interviews guests. So for example, she interviews Gretchen Rubin, which is one of my mm. very favorite episodes I listened to. And then that led me to order one of Gretchen's new products for planning and organization. 
And I'm probably going to end up, once I get that and and try it out, I'm probably going to bring that as a loving lately. So I will keep you updated on that. But I really love what she brings to her podcast, which is a passion and an expertise. It's so niche, but she's so knowledgeable and enjoyable. And then she also talks about other topics. On a recent episode, she discussed Instagram's effects on her life and the changes Mm. she's making with that. So it's just a really interesting podcast. If you like time management and organization and planning, then give it a try. It's Best Laid Plans with Sarah Hart Unger. That I would never in a million years have guessed that there was an entire podcast dedicated (laughs) to planners. Right. But I'm for it. Why not? I mean, there's book podcasts, there's podcasts for everything. So why not planners? I had no idea either. And also, the book I'm bringing as my latest read, I I first heard about on her podcast. So okay. I'm excited to talk about that. What are you loving lately? Okay, so my loving lately is an app for your phone. I have literally been using this app for years. (laughs) I'm obsessed with it. Everybody knows that I do it in my my day-to-day life, but it's called One Second Every Day. And this app, I mean, basically the name explains it. It is an app that allows you to, well, basically you record one second of video or take a photo every day. And this app edits them together to make a full video at the end. So basically every day I rem- I try and remember to take a little video or I'll take a live photo and then import it into this app. There is a free version, but I use the paid version. It's like 99 cents a month. And that comes with enough options for me. They also have more upgraded versions like for $30 a year. And that allows you to do things like longer videos and import your own music. I keep it simple. I don't need anything that fancy. But I've gotten pretty good at remembering to take just a quick snapshot of something. It doesn't have to be anything dramatic. It doesn't have to be anything, you know, some days, like especially in 2020, uh, we didn't leave the house. So it was a lot of pictures of my daughter and my dogs and food. But what I find is that at the end of the year, it allows me to remember these small moments that I otherwise would not have. And like, It's been really special. I think this is probably the fourth or fifth year that I've been using it. And every year on New Year's, I put together my video. And it's like, it ends up to be about, I think, like five or six minutes long. And it's such a fun way to remember the little moments in life, especially with Lily, because you can see her grow up as, you know, the videos go on. It kind of makes me sad. I'm like, oh my gosh, March doesn't in theory feel like that long ago, but I see her little videos. I'm like, oh my God, it's, it's, it's very sweet. I love this app. I recommend it to everybody that, you know, that I know in real life or that's seen me use it. And I love seeing other people's videos. So even though I don't necessarily remember all the things that they did, it's nice. It it makes me feel like I can still keep up with my friends by seeing their little videos. I highly recommend it. Give it a shot. This is the One Second Every Day app. I've never heard of that. And that sounds so fun. It's so fun. I'll share. I'll send you my video. I mean, it's not like it's little moments that most people won't care about, you know, Yeah, but unless you, know you like, really care about me. That that ex- <laughs> of course, it's so interesting that you managed to bring something that was even on my mind recently, because when I listened to that that podcast episode with that, I just mentioned with Sarah mm-hmm. and Gretchen Rubin, Gretchen Rubin talks about I, I may have the wrong, the name wrong because I'm just pulling it off the top of my head, but it was something like a book of now or something. Mm-hmm. And she talks about taking pictures of 
now. So oh, that, interesting. Yeah. And because 10 years from now, we are going to wish, or maybe we want to remember a, a certain wallpaper, or we may not live yeah. where we are, or we may yeah. not have, you know, our relatives may be gone, and we want to, to remember that special Christmas tree mm-hmm. or that special anything. And so take the pictures now and put yep. it into, that's exactly what you're talking about. It is. And I got it from my my friend. We were, her brother had done it. And then the, it was me and two of my girlfriends. We were out at this dinner. We're like, let's download this app. Like, this seems like such a good idea. And it's just so funny because like now me and John will look at it and I end up uploading it to YouTube just so I can keep them. And it's like a private YouTube. It's just for me and John to, to basically look at. But like, we'll look at the videos. We're like, oh my God, 2018. That was our year. That was a good year. <laughs> like we can remember like, you know, where we were. And, and anyway, I, yeah, you're right. There's something very special. You know, some of them are big events like holidays or under the Christmas tree, but sometimes it's just this meal I made or this mm-hmm. book I was reading or our backyard. And it's just, it's very special. I highly recommend it. And it, it's good for me because I have a bad memory for detail. I can remember big picture, but details get lost on me. But if I have that little reminder, I'm like, oh yeah, we did use all white lights on our Christmas tree last year or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Like it helps me hang on to my life more in a sense. Oh, I love it. Yes. Anyway. Okay. Definitely going to try that out. Fabulous. All right. So leading in, do you want to tell me about this latest read that ties into planning? Yes, I would love to. And it's called 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. And this is nonfiction. This book I listened to on audio, but I am definitely buying a print copy. And I'll tell you a little bit more about that later. So this came my way by definite book serendipity, because I first heard about it on the Best Laid Plans podcast. And that very same night that I listened to the episode that she mentioned this book, we had our mood reader happy hour. And one Mm -hmm. of our patrons, Jalen, brought this book as her latest read and said it changed her life. And so twice in one day, a book I'd never heard about. So I was like, I have to read that book. What it's about. Mm -hmm. Its tagline is, Time Management for Mortals. So I definitely thought this was going to be a, a little bit of a how-to, and it, it's not. This is one of the most surprising books for me because it's not at all what I expected. And he starts off by talking about the human lifespan and how if we live to be 80, we will have just over 4,000 weeks. And the fact that we live very much as if there isn't enough time, we're obsessed with our lengthening to-do lists, overfilled inboxes, work-life balance, and the ceaseless battle against distraction. And we're also inundated with advice on becoming more productive and efficient, life hacks to optimize our days, techniques here and there to how to get better, faster, smarter, everything. And in the meantime, it's making everyone more anxious. Mm -hmm. And he talks about how do you not find more time, but how do you make a connection between our daily struggles with time and the ultimate time management problem, the challenge of how best to use our 4,000 weeks. What I, I loved so much, I mean, I loved this book so much. It is not long. It's 288 pages. The author narrates, and he's British, which is my very favorite, and His approaches to time management were not at all what I expected. This is a very philosophical, psychological, 
existential look at time and how we manage it. How do we get things done? And our society's obsession with convenience and technology, things that you think will make your life easier, like Uber and mm-hmm. the and Apple Pay and all of that, what is it really doing? And and I guess there is a flip side to that. Yes, it might make life more convenient, but he has some other arguments for what else it's doing. So this book made me think. It made me think a lot. And for that reason... I need the print copy. I need to go back. I think this book lends itself to a chapter at a time so that you can really think and process and go over how you feel about each chapter and what he is saying. So that's why I am ordering a print copy. And there's one quote in particular out of many that I really loved. And he said, when you begin to grasp that when there's too much to do, And there always will be. The only route to psychological freedom is to let go of the limit-denying fantasy of getting it all done and instead focus on doing a few things that count. And he's very big on the fact that we will never finish our to-do lists. Mm -hmm. And how do we think about that? Uh, It was really good. That was 4,000 Weeks by Oliver Berkman. That sounds so good. It's kind of reminding me of that idea, work smarter, not harder. Picking the things that actually matter, figuring out for yourself what actually matters to you instead of just check, tick, 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 checking things off a to-do list Mm -hmm. because it will never be zero. You'll never get to inbox zero on your life. Exactly. So I really like when you you had me at philosophical and existential look Mm -hmm. at time, I said, okay, I have to get this one. I want to see it in print first. Definitely sounds like a a book you'll want to have in your hands. Right. I, I, I'm going to alternate both um, formats again. This is definitely a reread. <laughs> yes. Right. You're going to take some notes on this? Of course. Highlight. Nice. I'm going to highlight and take some notes. Yes. Beautiful. All right. What's your latest read? Well, I do not have a transition for my latest read, but it <laughs> is a book that I really, really enjoyed. It is called Real Easy by Marie Rutkowski. Let me tell you about this book. This one I just finished, so it's very fresh in my mind. It does not come out until January 18th, but I want you to get it on your radar now. This is what I would call a police procedural meets literary thriller about the events that lead up to and follow the disappearance and murder of two exotic dancers. It's set in 1999, so there are cell phones, but they're not as ubiquitous as they are now Mm -hmm. in a suburb of Chicago. And the book starts off by introducing Samantha. She is a dancer, but she's very good at keeping things separate. She is a very hard worker at the club, but is totally devoted to her jealous boyfriend and his daughter. She's not one to take unnecessary risks or to get too close to people, but The club's newest dancer is so clueless, she feels compelled to help her learn the ropes. She's kind of this, almost a mother figure, like very caring, but tries and keeps herself, tries to keep herself pretty separate. So she's working with this new girl, trying to get her to learn how to get in good with their boss, the other women, the patrons in the club, and how to figure things out and basically to survive in this industry. One night, the new girl needs a ride home. She kind of gets into some trouble. So Samantha reluctantly agrees to drive her back to her house. And this is a simple decision that turns out deadly. Georgia 
is another dancer. And she kind of gets drawn into the investigation. She's someone with her own issues in her own life. She had a sick mother. But she's really gets sucked into trying to figure out, okay, is somebody targeting the dancers? Is there something going on at our strip club? Or were the two women just unlucky? What is actually going on here? And so she actually gets pulled in to work as an informant for Holly. Holly is a female detective assigned to the case. And by getting involved with the police, Georgia kind of puts herself in the line of danger. As Holly and Georgia try to find suspects and try to figure out what really happened to the women, the story's point of view shifts a lot between dancers, detectives, children, club patrons, and then the killer gets a perspective. I was very impressed by this book. The publisher compares this to the writing of Gillian Flynn and Tana French, and I honestly see it, but good kind of old school Tana French. I thought this was a very well-plotted story, and I really came to care about the characters. I even cried at the end, which, look, it's a thriller. I wasn't expecting that, but I got emotional because I really, really cared about these women. And the author tells the dancer's story in a very thoughtful way and paints them as full people. They're not just caricatures of what an exotic dancer should look like. She really layers in their backstories. You have one dancer who's dealing with the loss of her mother. Another one was born as intersex, so she's dealing with that. There's a bisexual romance. Some of these women have children. And none of it felt exploitative or dirty or like blaming women for being in this position. And it turns out the author is a former dancer herself and a Harvard grad, which I love that unexpected dichotomy. I thought, okay, this really makes sense why I feel so connected to these women. I was never really fully aware of where this story was going, but I got thrown off a few times, but not in a way that disappointed me. It was more or less surprising in a, oh gosh, I have to keep turning the pages kind of way. There was also a really, really great reason for the title, Real Easy, and it's explained very early in the book. I don't want to spoil it, but it broke my brain when I figured out why it's called Real Easy. I did not guess the killer although that's not surprising for me. But when I look back at the book, the clues were there. I did find myself confused a couple of times because I do find this to be a little literary. And she really gives so many perspectives. There's a lot of flipping back and forth between characters that I don't know if they were needed, but it did give me a reason to suspect them. You kind of had a lot of people like, all right, who's actually the one here? So I don't know, that threw me off a little bit. And for that reason, I do not think this would play very well on audio. I think this is one you want to have in front of you. And there were some parts of chapters that I found myself like speed reading through because I wanted to get back to the action, but nothing major. I still thought this was an unexpected, well-researched and immersive read. It's got complicated characters and you want to try and understand them. I really, really like this book. I would highly recommend it. It was called Real Easy by Marie Rutkowski. Okay. You snuck that in as a new release. Uh, that I did. I, ha- I have a copy of that. So, Well, I brought it as a shelf edition, I so know. you probably heard about it from me. Well, that's true. I did. <laughs> so that means, okay, so that's fair. But I need to read it. I know. You're always so mad when, like, you have a book that I read. I'm like, but you, I, I, I told you about it. Like, come on, man. <laughs> I know. I know. But I want, but you know I needed to read it. I need to read it. So I have to, especially you had me at crying at the end and mm-hmm. the whole time I was thinking this sound, this would probably make a really good book flight with these women by Ivy Pakoda mm-hmm. that I brought mm-hmm. I thought that would make I could a see good that. book flight 
I did not read that book, but yeah, it's kind of that idea of really giving women a chance to tell their story, mm-hmm. looking at how there's a couple of sentences that I'm just like, yes, this author gets it, like how you're prime to be on the defensive to feel like we've said this before on the podcast, like, you know, walking from A to B, you're like, well, you got to be on the alert because somebody could easily overpower us. And so she really kind of brings voices to these characters. I also, of course, love the Chicagoland setting. I thought this was well researched. I'm, I'm digging it. I really hope it gets some praise next year. Okay, great. All right. Well, are we moving into book moving in move moving along to book talk? We have a a little bit of a hodgepodge today, I think, don't we? We do. It's the end of the year, and we're kind of taking a minute to look back at the podcast, see how we've done, see how our episodes have done. And what we did, we actually looked to see which episodes had the highest downloads. And we thought that would be kind of fun to bring one additional book recommendation from each of those specific episode topics. So Mm -hmm. today, we're each sharing one more celebrity book club pick one more backlist book, and then one more book that gave us a book hangover. And quickly before we jump into book talk, I do want to make two quick announcements. We have a website. We have a new podcast website. It's booktalketcetrapodcast.com. So that is our first announcement. Definitely check it out. Our second announcement is that since we've been around for about six months now, we really wanted to get our listener feedback. We would be so honored if you would consider taking the time to take our listener survey. We're just really using this data to figure out what you all want to hear more from us, what you liked, what you didn't like, maybe potential guests you'd want us to hear, anything at all. And to take the survey, it is going to be on our website, booktalketcetrapodcast.com. And of course, we'll include the direct link in our show notes. Yes. Very exciting. 2022 is bringing some changes. It's exciting. Mm -hmm. By and large, we're going to keep the same format. I think we really have nailed something that we both enjoy doing, but we also want to bring, you know, we want to expand. We want to grow. We want to, you know, bring, keep you guessing essentially. (laughs) Right. And also, it's fun to hear from other people what worked, what maybe didn't Mm -hmm. work, and what ideas or topics or inspiration or like you said guests people would be interested in hearing so i'm excited to read that read those when they come through me too and that survey is available now so take a quick look at it yes all right well so was this hard for you (laughs) to go back and choose me too what what, what made it hard so the one that I had the easiest time with is celebrity book club i don't mean to but i generally I'm interested in 90% of the books at Jenna picks, Jenna's book club, for whatever reason, like her tastes for the books that she picks and the ones that I like almost overlap all, all of the time. So I had the easiest time with that one. I struggled the most with book hangover because how do you predict if a book's going to give you a book hangover? That was one I'm like, gosh, I don't, I mean, I've heard others say that they really enjoyed this. So I took a chance on a book and I was happy that I was like, okay, I I DM'd Renee. I was like, yes, okay, this worked. I can call it my book hangover. And Backlist, I actually sort of cheated. It's a 2020 book. But anyway, it's technically Backlist. That is Backlist. We said anything past a year, right? Mm -hmm. Yes, Yes. it came out last last year. What about you? Yeah, I, I definitely struggled, but it forced me to... Look at, at like look at some different books that I wouldn't have thought about, and mm-hmm. what I I thought for sure what I was initially going to go with for a book hangover because when I think book hangover I think oh I've got to pick something that either made me cry 
or I can't stop thinking about, but I was thinking, Mm -hmm. you know, I thought I knew what I was going to have for that. And then I picked a book for backlist, which has been on my TBR for quite a while. Mm -hmm. And when I finished that book, which made me cry, and I will, I'm still thinking about, I was like, nope. That has this to be my book. I never ever. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a thriller. I never thought that would be a book hangover oh, ever in I a million that. years. So that was a fun surprise. But then I struggled with celebrity the celebrity mm-hmm. picks. I've already read a few, so I ended up. And this is what I love about doing things like this because I ended up finding something on Oprah's book club. Oh. And it took and it took me watching her do one of her videos about this book. Mm-hmm. And she asked two particular questions that she wanted to discuss. And as soon as I heard her say those questions, I was like, that's that's the book I'm reading. Yeah. And I that's my other five star. I loved it. So these okay, so us pushing ourselves to do something like this and to bring people more of the listeners more of what they liked has brought me two books that are going to be on my top 10 and now i'm and now as we start doing that i'm like oh, i wonder what i wonder what's going to be bumped off like i can't wait to figure this mm-hmm. out but so so unexpected that's the best though sometimes sometimes mm-hmm. the unexpected books are the best like they the ones that you weren't expecting to enjoy, enjoy as much as you did, sometimes that's more fun than when you think, yeah, this is my wheelhouse. Of course, I enjoyed it. Um, but we're, what Renee's referring to is next week's episode is our top 10 of 2021. Mm-hmm. We're narrowing it down. We're each bringing 10 picks that are our very top. And these are not going to be books that are just published in 2021. These can be published at any time. These are our very, very top. So I know I will be working on my list probably down to the last minute but you know we have to call it at a certain point i know well now i yeah i don't know if i just spoiled two of my picks oh i think that's okay but you don't know though they might who knows I mean, you've got a couple weeks left like a week know, or two i know that's maybe true maybe you'll pick something up they might i have to sit down with it all right well i'm dying to hear these picks <laughs> like i i don't think i can wait any longer so do you want to go first do you want to pick your or do you want me to Should, um no, I can go first, but are we going to keep our book hangovers till last? Should yes. we keep each book other in suspense? Book hangovers last. Book hangovers, which, by the way, is mm-hmm. our most downloaded episode um, of any of favorites of 2021 so far that we did in July, and our books on the radar, which always get a bunch of downloads. Book hangovers, mm-hmm. everybody loves them. Everybody wants to hear about them, and so... We are, I'm so excited to to bring another mm-hmm. one. That that category is possibly my favorite as well. Because I am I remember you brought, I believe, The Idea of You as one of yes. your books that brought you a book hangover. And mm-hmm. I was like, I'm not interested in this book. And this, this book is not for me. But then I heard you loved it so much. And I'm like, all right, let me try it. Spoiler, I, I'm still thinking about that book. I immediately turned around and bought a print copy. I was wrapped uh, I'm frothing at the mouth about this particular book. And that would have never been something that I would have picked up if it wasn't for you bringing it to that episode. So, Oh, that makes me so happy. (laughs) Isn't that the best feeling? All right. So, all right, let's jump into it. Tell me about your first pick, Celebrity Book Club. All right. Celebrity 
book club. I, like I said, I went with Oprah and I picked Bewilderment by Richard Powers. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I I know literally nothing. So tell me. Yes, this was her book club choice for September. It was nominated for a National Book Award and shortlisted for the Booker Prize. So also, award books don't always work. But Mm -hmm. here's what Mm -hmm. grabbed me with this. When I was going through her feed, there was a short video. And in her video, she's talking about the book and a little bit about the synopsis. And she said, "Um, I want you all to think about what did Richard Powers mean when he wrote, life wanted something from us. And then she also asked, if you could connect with a loved one who passed on, what might you learn? These are very integral aspects of this plot. And as soon as I heard that, I was like, Yes, I need to try that book yep. because I I had seen a few reviews around and I saw that the main character was an astrobiologist and I was like, no, mm-mm, mm-hmm. I don't. <laughs> so don't, dis- another lesson to not dismiss books. So this is about Theo. He's an astrobiologist. He searches for life throughout the cosmos while single-handedly raising his unusual nine-year-old Robin following the death of his wife. Robin is a very kind, boisterous boy. He spends hours painting elaborate pictures of endangered animals. He is very into the environment. He's very he's very smart. He's very into everything. However, he's about to be expelled from third grade for smashing his friend in the face. As his son oh. grows more troubled, Theo hopes to keep him off psychoactive drugs, and he learns of an experimental neurofeedback treatment to bolster Robin's emotional control, one that involves training the boy on the recorded patterns of his mother's brain. It's very (laughs) intricate, but just go with it. This book had so many descriptions of the natural world, of the environment, Mm. of climate, of the vision and the meaning and the questions of life beyond, of other universe, and then also of of the love between a father and a son. And I cannot tell you how much I love this book. I don't, I don't usually take notes when I'm reading, and I, I did have this on audio. That's the only format I had. So I kept stopping and putting thoughts in my notes app. I'm buying a print copy tomorrow when I go shop when I uh, go shopping at the bookstore actually for my bookshelf because the thing that that this book did so well was was not only talk about their relationship but made me think about what is it that we miss seeing on a day-to-day basis and what else could be out there it's one of those books that I say I think everyone should read this book. I really do. I think no matter what, you can find something to take from this book. Here's a list in my notes of what I wrote on themes of that this author managed to tackle. Schools and their lack of preparing kids for the real world. Environment, climate, parenting, medications, mental health, mm-hmm. grief, the universe, the human brain and its ability, the afterlife, parental sacrifice, empathy, the animal world, energy, politics, and that's not even all. I'm just going to stop there. I oh He God. tackled 
all of those and more in a way that le- that left me like turning the pages. Quite, I I think I binged this in a day. Oh my goodness. It's really, it's really not very good. long, right? It's not very long. I, didn't, I don't have the page number in front of me, it, but it's not very long. And there are no wasted words. This is, this is a book. There are mm-hmm. no wasted words. Also, I will say this isn't a book to read in bits and pieces. Like, I, I couldn't even read this, actually, while I was cleaning. Because, you know what I mean? I, I sat with this. And- I, wa- mm-hmm. I listened to it while I was – I took – two long walks at the park. And then I really kind of sat with it and listened because it's that type of book. It, you need to engage with it and you need to reflect, but you're, but he also tells you a story. You're going to love these characters and there are, there are just many quotes. So I will leave you with that. Um, I think it's an important book and that was Bewilderment by Richard Powers. Oh, I'm so glad that worked so well for you. It, when you were describing it, I'm like, that would not be something I would be gravitated toward at all. But Me either this, your enthusiasm for it, I'm like, hmm, maybe I can picture the cover, but right with the the boy and mm-hmm. like him and his dad sitting and looking um, up at the sky up at the sky. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, had Oprah not giving me those two questions. I don't I don't know what I would have picked, but I loved it. Thank you, Oprah. Thank you, Oprah. <laughs> um, all right. Wow. How about you? What is your first celebrity pick? All right. My first celebrity pick is one of Jenna's picks, as I was talking about earlier. And this is Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. I have been saying that I want to read a chunky literary book all fall. Finally, I picked this one up and it definitely gave me what I was looking for. This one was shortlisted for the 2021 Booker Prize, and it spans Prohibition-era Montana, the Pacific Northwest, Alaska, New Zealand, wartime London, modern-day L.A., and tells the story of a daredevil female pilot determined to chart her own course in life at any cost. So it opens with a bang. You have these twins, Marion and Jamie Graves. They were with their parents on a sinking ocean liner in 1914. And their father was actually the captain of the ship. And he had to decide if he was going to hand his twins off to one of the women, because, right, you have to save the women and children first. And he's supposed to go down with the ship. He's the captain. But instead of just handing his kids off, he's like, I have to know if they survive. So he decides to take one of the lifeboats. And he survives, as, of course, do the children. But therefore, he gets put in prison because it looks like the ship has sunk with, you know, kind of nefarious, four nefarious reasons. This all takes place in the first couple pages. It's kind of the setup. So the kids then, of course, have to be raised by somebody because their mother does not make it. So they go to their uncle in Missoula, Montana. And there they have a pretty idyllic childhood. Growing up, Marion is a tomboy. Jamie is a sensitive artist. And they spend a lot of time with their friend, Caleb, who's Native American. And Marion is kind of goes against the expectations of females for that time period. She cuts her hair super short. She doesn't want to wear dresses. She likes getting dirty. And she figures out her life's purpose pretty early. She sees a pair of barnstorming pilots pass through town and they're in these beat up biplanes and it sticks with her. She decides she will stop at nothing to become a female pilot and she does. And at 14, she's able to become this pilot because she drops out of school and a wealthy bootlegger decides to buy her a plane and bankroll her lessons 
as you can imagine, he probably has some ulterior motives for wanting to do that. And of course, this arrangement ends up changing the course of her life. Then you have this other viewpoint folded in that takes place about a century or so later. So you're in basically modern day L.A., And it's Hadley Baxter. She is a child actress, kind of feels like it's a bit Kristen Stewart-esque from Twilight. It kind of feels like that's what the inspiration was. But Hadley is cast to play Marion in a film of Marion's life and covers Marion's disappearance because it's not a spoiler. That's kind of the book. She ends up trying to take this flight around the world and ends up disappearing. And so Hadley is cast to play Marion in this biopic. Hadley is a recent outcast. And again, she was this huge, huge mega childhood star. But because she broke up with the male love interest from that movie series, everybody, she kind of like gets blacklisted in Hollywood. So this casting is a chance to rebrand herself. And she actually gets immersed in Marion's story and finds out things that the general public doesn't know. So I see why her viewpoint was included, because you get to find out things about Marion that you would not have otherwise been able to find out. But I'll say those sections definitely lagged. All in all, I like this book a lot. It is not going to be on my favorite of the year list, but it really did satisfy my itch for something literary and something immersive. The writing was beautiful, but it did take me a lot longer to get really sucked into the characters and the stories than I like to. You can tell it was building to something. And it had this weird thing in books like these where Sometimes you can't tell if nothing is happening or everything is happening for pages and pages, and then all of a sudden, something major will happen at the very end, and you're like, wait, what? What Did I miss it? What happened here? I will say I enjoyed the present-day actress in the beginning, but by the end, it completely fell flat, and I kind of got bored by it and almost annoyed by the interruptions. I'm like, let Marion talk. I want to hear what's <laughs> going on with Marion. But that's good. I did really – I kind of flip-flopped. I really, really came to enjoy Marion as a character. I will say this is meticulously researched. I love that she brought in real people. You have other famous aviators and, you know, socialites of that time period folded in. I really enjoyed one of the characters in this book, but she's not introduced to the very, very last parts of it. And I would have loved to have her as a part of the story longer. I listened to it and the author did this great thing where she would introduce a chapter as chapter five, two months after Marion visited Jamie, so that you really never lost track of how much time has passed. I really liked that. This book does span the the character's entire lives, and I enjoyed the ending a lot. This entire book is leading up to this great circle. That's the name of it, and that's this big flight that she has been dreaming of. She wants to circumnavigate the globe by flying over the North and South Poles, but it came so late into the story, it almost felt like an afterthought. For the most part, it was well plotted. I did enjoy it. I liked the ending. It just fell short, though, of me wanting to rush to buy it for my shelf. Mm -hmm. So this one was Great Circle by Maggie Shipstead. I don't know that this is a resounding endorsement, but (laughs) I liked it well enough. Okay. No, I think you did a really good job. Is it worth the 600 pages? I don't think so. That's what I was wondering, because I know it was a big book, which is a lot of what people talk about this fall, right? Like all the so many of the big books are too long. Would you say it could have been cut? Yeah. And and the thing is, I mean, I don't know where, right? That's not for me (laughs) to decide. I couldn't tell you. It was well narrated. I liked the characters. I remember a lot of the parts of what took place. Okay. And that was also up for a booker. Mm -hmm. The booker. Yeah. Yeah. So we both had a booker. Mm Gosh, we're so literary, you guys. (laughs) Gosh, who knew? How how did we... uh, What has (sighs) happened to us this year? (laughs) 
<laughs> well, I've always been a little literary, but I always like to to couple it with like I don't want to say trashy psychological fiction, <laughs> but like popcorn fiction. You know, I, right. I gotta have my my light, my high, and my low. I mm-hmm. gotta balance it out. Yeah. Speaking of, okay. my next one's pretty low. So go ahead and tell me what okay. is your backlist. backlist? Book? Okay. Mm-hmm. And my backlist is my least favorite of this group, okay. and that is A Stranger in the House by Sherry Lapina. Mm-hmm. I am working my way through her backlist, actually, and this one's from 2017. So I I can't remember when I read The Couple Next Door, but that was my first book by her. This is my fourth. I've read The Couple Next Door, An Uninvited Guest, Someone We Knew I Just Read This Year, and now A Stranger in the House. This one is my least favorite, like I said. Mm-hmm. This was... Now, this your one, least favorite of the ones you're bringing of the today one, of the, or of no, Sherry Lapinas? Both. Both. Oh, okay. okay. Yes, this is my Good least favorite of today and of the books I've read of her so far. I've actually really, really enjoyed all of her books and loved someone we knew. But no, I mean, this one, eh. This was about Karen and Tom Krupp. They're a happy couple. They live in a lovely home in upstate New York. They are pretty much newlyweds, and they have no kids. One day, Tom returns home to find Karen has vanished. Her car is gone, and it seems she left in a rush. She even left her purse, complete with phone and ID, behind. There's a knock on the door later, and the police are there to take Tom to the hospital where his wife has been admitted. She had a car accident and lost control as she sped through the worst part of town. And that's really all you need to know. Mm-hmm. to head into the story. And I mean, this author does domestic suspense, psychological thrillers so well. I was really into this. I really, I think I bet I read it in a day. Read, Yeah, I read it slash listened, it, listened to it. I had it on audio and print. But the way the mystery unfolded, it was it felt lackluster to me. Mm-hmm. The there's a neighbor, and you, I mean, I knew right from the get go, like mm, she's a little bit off her rocker. I mean, there's a detective. All of this felt very standard. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? Not surprising. This, yes, right for sure. The way the story ended up going after she. Oh well, the other thing was she had amnesia after. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, Fine. the she had That's amnesia so- from the accident. Come That's on. so 2017. It's, it's <laughs> for so real. It really is. It, 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 pro- it really been there, done that. You got to pick something mm-hmm. other than amnesia for the plot. But I love her writing. My goal is to read everything in her backlist. This just wasn't my favorite. The resolution, it was fine. It it didn't blow me away by any means. There was a little bit of excitement at the end that I I kind of enjoyed. You're like, ooh, finally. (laughs) But, you know, not enough to make me say, run out and grab this one. That was A Stranger in the House by Sherry Lapina. Good. I love the idea of making your way through an author's entire back catalog. I have a very few, I have a short list of authors that are in that camp for me. Lisa Jewell is the one that comes to mind for me. She has so many books. <laughs> she comes out with a new right. one every year. I'm like, how am I going to ever catch up? But yes, good. I'm glad extensive. you brought that one. Mm-hmm. There's a few authors. Sharon Bolton, I've read her backlist. Mm-hmm. And Jane Casey. Those are those are mm-hmm. two that I've read. Oh, Lisa Gardner. I guess three. <laughs> I've read. There you go. So I have read. I've read a few authors' entire backlist. 
So I, I like doing it. It's kind of fun to always have, you know, one, at least one author there where you're like, I don't know what to read. Oh, I'm just going to pick something mm-hmm. from their backlist. Yeah. I honestly don't know that I've ever done that where I've actively tried. I've said this before. I like find an author and then I just read everything from then on. <laughs> like front, I never like go back. List. <laughs> I read their front list by and large. So I think that could be a fun, we'll put a pin in this. That could be a fun discussion for another time. Okay. Oh, speaking of authors that have very extensive backlists, this is my pick for a backlist read. And I actually had to double check to make sure that this was in fact a backlist because these authors have so many books out. I'm like, wait, when did this actually come out? It is called In a Holidays by Christina Laurent. And this is a writing duo. And they have so many books. I never know what's new, what's backlist. I've only read one of their books before and I liked it. Didn't love it. It was very bingeable, but like nothing crazy. The book that I read by them previously was called Twice in a Blue Moon. Liked it. Mm -hmm. Didn't love it. But the reason I picked this one up, it is obviously in a holiday, as you might expect. It is about Christmas time. And my in real life book club picked it for December. I really liked it. I thought it was decently entertaining. Color me surprised. I think I read this at the perfect time because I'm kind of in that mood. Like I'm drinking a mulled wine. I'm about to decorate. I was kind of like in that holiday spirit. And I thought this fit the bill pretty well. This book opens up in a snowy holiday cabin during the most wonderful time of the year. You have college friends and their children who have shared this holiday home together for years. Malin Jones is our protagonist and she is struggling. She's living with her parents, hates her going nowhere job, and has just made a romantic air of epic proportions. And the weekend's ending, and she's really wishing she could take everything back. And then a desperate Christmas wish allows her to do that. So what happens is she's been in love with one of the family friends for years. He is a little bit older than her, and she is sure this couldn't go anywhere. So she basically counts herself out before she's even willing to admit to herself and to give it a try. Then a drunken board game has her making out with her love's brother. And he walks in and sees them. So that's kind of where the book opens. She's like in this existential crisis, like, no, you're the one I've actually always wanted to be with. And she thinks she's ruined everything. Then to make matters worse, this cabin is her happy place. But the friends or the family members that own this cabin, they're going to sell it because they're going to make a lot of money. And they've been coming since she was a kid, since they all were kids and the you know families were just out of college. So she's really worried that this was her last chance and that she'll never get to hang out with these people in the same way again. So you have her mentally melting down as she's driving away from the cabin for what is most likely the final time. And then she desperately throws out what she thinks is a simple plea to the universe. Please show me what will make me happy. And the next thing you know, tires screech and metal collides and everything goes black. And then May kind of gasps awake and she's back on the airplane bound for the cabin. And she begins the same holiday over again and again and again. She gets to a certain point in the day makes decisions, and then gets sent back onto the plane. So she's stuck in this time loop, and she has to figure out how to break free of it. And finally, figure out what it is that makes her happy. And at first, you know me, I thought, oh my God, (laughs) there's alternate lives here. There's no stakes in the plot. This is going to not be for me. But you know what? When it's tied into Christmas, I think I can get on board with it. I thought it was entertaining. I just kind of went with it because I wasn't sure what to expect. It was entertaining, sweet, 
very festive. They, you know, have snowman making contests. They're decorating the tree. They're drinking, playing games. Very, very festive. And I actually enjoyed the main character. She wasn't too, sometimes in these types of books for me, it can be very like damsel in distress. I didn't think she played that way. And I thought there was a really nice balance of humor and depth with the story. What I love the most is that this is about chosen family. So it's these three or four people that went to college together and ended up buying this cabin together so that every year they have these same traditions. And I have a really big and extensive like close friend group that I've known since first or third or seventh grade. So I loved that. And the thought of like the kids then falling in love like made me really happy. It made me warm my heart. So it's about family. It's about chosen family. It's about tradition and expectation and ultimately finding a way to admit to yourself what you want in life and to go for it. If anybody has read The Two Lila Bennett's by Lisa Steinke and Liz Fenton, this has a very similar feel. I thought this was great for this time of year and I recommend it. It was good fun. It's In a Holidays by Christina Loren. Okay. Well, that yeah. was surprising, that, right? Yeah, I did not expect you to bring a, a, any sort of holiday book whatsoever. I'd, I've not, I've read one other holiday book, the the one in December that everybody was reading, and I hated oh, it. What? <laughs> Don't say one day in December. You hated. Yeah, that's by Josie one. Silver. Did you I like gave it? that five stars? Come on, the I guy love that was terrible. Why are we fi- Why are we fighting and like pining over this dude? Are we he talking about a- the same book? Let me Google it. One day in December. <laughs> What's it called? One day in December. Josie Silver. Hold, please. Let me Google it. <laughs> I gotta see the cover. Let's confirm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, not wow. for me. Didn't like it. I, loved I didn't it. like the dude. I did not like the guy. I thought it was like, oh gosh, what was his name? He was just kind of this like regular frat boy, and these two like beautiful, smart women are like fighting over this same dude. He was a nice guy. I remember that. <sighs> he was a nice guy. He, you know, who he reminds me of. You know who he freaking reminds me of. He who? reminds me of your boy from Addie Larue. Not Luke. Mm. Oh, not the, Luke. Oh, the other one. <laughs> the other guy. Oh, I'm sad, and I'm a nice guy. Oh, Rescue how me! How dare you? I talk don't about like this. Was it Henry? It was Henry, wasn't it? Henri. Henry. Yes, Henry. You, that anyway. is not nice of you at all. Oh my. <laughs> Probably not. It's not very Christmas spirit of me. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. Okay. I didn't... Um, that's very interesting. That. So that's a one star, five star. There you go. You probably you gave go. it, unless you didn't give it one star. I don't remember. You know, I don't care about stars. I probably I know, gave you it just four had, stars. I don't you remember. You just had it good, up in front of you on your Goodreads. Oh, no, I had it open on Amazon. Oh, was, oh, whatever oh. came up first. That's so funny. No, I just okay. remember the girl. So the, it's not really about the guy in this particular book. It's just the one girl. I guess I don't like two women pining and loving the same guy i mean mm. there's some there are some redeeming qualities of one day in december i don't think i would give it zero stars or one but i just was like i i tr- i dnf'd it the first time and then the next year i tried to read it again and i was like eh, i didn't love it i thought that was not i yeah i i read that a while ago but i i do remember liking the whole friendship aspect of what do yeah. you do though this is such a side tangent but but seriously, though, what do you, you know, if you fall in love with someone your best friend's in love with? Mm-hmm. That's yeah. an interesting I mean, it was little. Cute. There's a bus, you know. Yeah. Well, okay. So therefore. I like the complicated friendship. I did like the complicated yes. friendship. I didn't like the guy. What the takeaway is, is it's surprising that you brought a holiday read and you enjoyed. 
Exactly. It is surprising. I think that's the only other holiday read I've I've picked up. So anyway, okay. longest tangent ever. Tell me. Fun. Okay. I want to hear. Go ahead. Book hangover. Here we go. Ding, ding, ding. What was it? Okay. What was it? <laughs> okay. My book hangover, my unexpected book hangover is An Untamed State by Roxanne Gay. Uh? Yeah. Have you heard of it? It's from 2014. Uh, I, know. I know who Roxanne Gay is, of course, but I don't, I've not read this book. I, I don't know because I didn't jot it down whether this is her first fiction book. It's a thriller. Are you sure this is the right author? I got to Google. I'm, I am very positive, Google. Wow. How about that? I did not know Roxanne. It's a yellow, bright a yellow cover. Yellow. Yes, bright. Yellow. Yellow, yellow cover. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yes. I had no idea. Okay, okay. That's cool. Yeah, this is her uh, debut. All right. I'll shut up. Please go ahead. This is Okay. This is her debut. I haven't read her f- nonfiction. I've read one. This was initially my backlist because it's from 2014. This has been on my thriller, like, crossed my path as a thriller somewhere along the way. And boy, ugh, it switched over into my book hangover. So you have Murage Jameson. She's living a fairy tale. The strong-willed youngest daughter of one of Haiti's richest sons. She has an adoring husband, Michael, a precocious infant son, and by all appearances, a perfect life. The fairy tale ends one day when Murage is kidnapped in broad daylight by a gang of heavily armed men in front of her father's Port-au-Prince estate. Held captive by a man who calls himself the commander, she waits for her father to pay her ransom. As it becomes clear her father intends to resist the kidnappers, she must endure the torments of a man who resents everything she represents. This is a novel of privilege in the face of crushing poverty and of the lawless anger that corrupt governments produce. It is the story of a willful woman attempting to find her way back to the person she once was and of how redemption is found in the most unexpected of places. This was very intense, I will say that. So this was the book I messaged you about and said, I just finished a book that's come the closest to making me feel how I felt after I finished Mm. A Little Life. Couldn't be higher praise. (laughs) I can can never... I know. I can never not know this story again. I keep thinking about it. The characters and the choices, the characters in the book I keep thinking about because they feel like real people. But the choices that the author made to go to some very, very, very dark and brutal places. I didn't read any reviews before I started this book. And Afterwards, I went and looked at Goodreads, and people either loved it five stars or hated it one stars. There really is no in-between. I'm not sure. I I don't really agree with the one stars at all. But the way the story opens, you right away know that Murray is telling it from some point in the future. But throughout the story, there were times that I kept wondering if if maybe it was a journal or that she was reading it from somehow beyond the grave, because right in the opening scene, after you get like an initial prologue where you know she's telling it from some point in the future, we are set right into the scene in front of her parents when the cars pull up, when they're they're on a way to to the beach for the day, the cars pull up, and they kidnap her immediately within the first pages, immediately. So we're thrown into that, 
And there was no stopping after that. The story alternates between present day and what's happening, and then the past, which was the buildup of their fairy tale life, which was really, really genius because what happens in the present day is very hard to read. It's very dark. I'm not going to, I am not going to give specific details, but I will say that if you want to know anything else, you can always message me. But there are tremendous amounts of sexual violence and it's brutal and it's graphic. The writing is very graphic. She does not take, you know, she doesn't make make things Mm -hmm. happen behind the scenes. It's there. You have to read it. And there was one point, and I did alternate print and audio. Both formats were excellent. And I actually was reading it on my Kindle when I came to a certain part. And I and I just was crying and I had to set it down because this, what I was reading was just so much. I haven't had to do that since mm-hmm. I read A Little Life, where I just needed to take a moment and everything was vivid and I couldn't not picture it, but I also yeah. couldn't stop reading it. I don't. I don't know how to really describe the way she brought these characters to life, the the good and the bad, and the unexpected places the story went. Because by the halfway point, that present past storyline shifted to something different, and I was like, "Oh wow! I have absolutely no idea." where this story is going to go. And it blew me away. It really, really blew me away. I loved it. And I won't forget it. And something that happened at the end, too, I, I, I like closed it and I thought, oh my gosh, I need to Google and see, you know, just, I wonder if some of these bad guys, some of the, are still, like, what if there's stories out there about these particular kidnappers. And then I had to stop and be and say, mm-hmm. this is fiction. Like, I thought for a second be, that what I was reading was a true story. And um, I don't know. It was just the way she wrote. But I will say, I do think, obviously, she based this off of real events because the, I had no idea about the amount of kidnappings in Haiti. I had no idea. So I did go back and read a little bit about that. But... This is heavy, too, into PTSD and the resilience and the the ability of the main character to work through that. And if she does or not, I can't say. But that's a big, big part of the story. And I really enjoyed it. And I really enjoyed all of the characters, all of the supporting characters, as far as those in her family. Also, here's what you might find interesting her father, though, really did refuse to pay the ransom. So what happened? I mean, so that's part of the story. Oh, he God. wouldn't pay it. <laughs> right. Oh, my gosh. I'm laughing so, I'm uncomfortable. Because that was his, that was his right. tactic. He's like, I'm not negotiating with terrorists type thing. And, right. Exactly. Exactly. And so, I mean, I'm not going to obviously tell you, but what happens when he refuses to pay that ransom? So that was an untamed state by oh, Roxanne shit, man. Gay. <laughs> Well, I'm, uh, I I yeah. can't say enough. I, I'm so surprised by that book. I it's also one that it's hard to say. Right. Oh, I right. loved it or enjoyed it. You know what I mean? I 
but I did love it and mm-hmm. I won't ever that's forget the thing, it. Right. With some of these more like graphic books, you're like, you loved how it made you feel and that it made you learn and that it made you consider. We don't love the bad stuff that happened, obviously, but that's the thing with mm-hmm. the book Hangover. Right. It's just something memorable, something that really kind of dug into you. Exactly. Exactly. And mm-hmm. it challenged me mm-hmm. to sit with things that I don't want, I didn't want to sit with yeah, and I didn't want to think right. about. Oh, man. All right. Well, mm-hmm. you, you have a really good picker. Yeah. You are very good at picking books that I've never heard of, that you think you'll like. You're pretty good at that. So I'll add it. I'll add it to the list. <laughs> the very long list of <laughs> Renee <Please> tempted <laughs> me. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, what gave you your most recent book hangover? All right. So my book hangover, actually, this is a great way to close this particular segment. This one was oddly uplifting. I really, really dug it. It's called The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell by Robert Dugoni. Do you know it? I Yes, I can picture the cover. It's mm-hmm. red. Mm-hmm. It's a red cover. Yep. Oh, this book. All right. It's character driven to a T. Know that going in. It's coming of age. It's people have compared this to Owen Meany, which I have not read. It's on my list. I've tried to Mm -hmm. read it a couple times. I've DNF'd it. But if Owen Meany (laughs) is a book that you loved, you might like this comp. So in this book, you have Sam Hill. And it starts out when he is a young boy and he has always experienced the world through different eyes, literally. He was born with red pupils, and he was called Devil Boy, or Sam Hell, by his classmates. And he comes from a very devout household. His mother says it's God's will. And what actually she's referring to is that he was born with something called ocular albinism. So he has red eyes. And she can say it's God's will all she wants, but it was of little comfort to him growing up because the kids made fun of him, as they're wont to do for anything that's not quote-unquote normal. But Sam perseveres. And what I loved is that his mother was such a fierce advocate for him. It was set in, I think, the 60s or the 50s, maybe. And you really got that sense of, you know, nuclear family. The mom stayed at home, like worked on the dinner. The dad had this job at a pharmacy. And they're devout Catholic, I think. And when they're little kids, he's about six. And and he comes to believe that the new kid at his school was sent by God. His name is Ernie Cantwell. And he is the only African-American kid in this entire school. And he just approaches him as like, hey, why are you eating lunch by yourself? And like becomes this like very, very central figure in Sam's life. And then a couple years later, they're a little bit older. You know, Sam and Ernie become fast friends they hang out. It's really Sam's first friend. But then a couple of years later, a girl named Mickey Kennedy comes into this Catholic school like a tornado. She uproots every rule Sam has and uproots everything that they have been taught about girls' roles and boys' roles. And then you also get some perspective added because 40 years later, you see Sam in present day. And there is a tragedy that completely shook me when it happened. And basically, it causes Sam to have this crisis of conscience, and it makes him rethink everything in his life. What I like, though, is that you find out that Sam's okay. You see that he is now an eye doctor himself. You see that his buddy Ernie went pro for football and that he's got a nice marriage. And you see that Mickey is still their friend. So you're like, oh, awesome. This friend group is, you know, kind of persevered. But this thing that happened has ties to Sam's childhood, and it really, really messes him up. So he basically does 
this thing called it's like doctors without borders but for eye doctors so basically he works as an optometrist in other continents so the book a little bit follows sam as he travels between adulthood and childhood and you get to see him experience friendships and romance and you really get to see the loyalty of his friends that they have for each other and you see him as he comes to question his faith it's kind of a quiet book, but I really what I loved about it was the characters and Sam's family specifically. His mom and dad had a beautiful marriage. They loved their son. They were fierce advocates for him. And I swear to you, I don't often see that in fiction. Like it was just this beautiful family and that was like that was them. They were his, you know, pillars in his life. And his mom was so sweet. She really was this like saint character. And you kind of, you know, things happen to them. It's not all sunshine and roses. But I almost, for me, felt a little bit of a Heart's Invisible Furies vibe to it if Cyril Avery had a sweet family. So that's kind of the feeling you would get from this book. I don't think you can read this book and not root for the characters. And I really liked that you got both perspectives, the past and today, so that we know in general they're going to be okay even though there are moments where it seems like there's no way out. I will say this is not like a sunshine book the whole way. He really is um, bullied as a kid. Like there are some very serious scenes of bullying. And there's also a scene when he's an adult that really is upsetting. And it's about, though, at the end of the day, really leaning into who you are learning to appreciate life for its simple moments, learning to love those that are in your life for the time that they are in your life. I listened to it. I really enjoyed the narration, though I did flip a little bit back and forth between the two. I highly recommend it. This book is The Extraordinary Life of Sam Hell by Robert Degoni. Oh, that sounds so good. I do remember seeing that get a bunch of good reviews. Mm -hmm. That's how I remember the cover. It's oddly uplifting. But it's also like there were moments of really good tension. Like I'm like, oh, gosh, how's this going to end? And it's like low stakes. Like there, you know, there's like a play scene. And I'm like, oh, gosh, he's going to be embarrassed. Like, you know, you kind of get the secondhand embarrassment for the character because you're like, ah, they're going to, you know, do something to him. But it was good. It was very coming of age, very sweet. But it had enough edge to it. It wasn't saccharine. I I liked it a lot. Well, that's how you know you're invested in characters when you worry about Something that might happen to them in their mm-hmm. everyday, right? Yeah, you just exactly. Know that, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, let's bring it home. What is your shelf okay. edition? My shelf edition is The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith. Mm-hmm. comes out March 1st, 2022. And this is on my radar because I read Field Notes on Love by her a couple years ago. And I loved it so much. And that was YA, but this is an adult novel. So right after the sudden death of her mother, her first and most devoted fan, and just before the launch of her high-stakes sophomore album, Greta James falls apart on stage. The footage quickly goes viral, and she stops playing, her career suddenly in jeopardy, the kind of jeopardy her father, Conrad, has always predicted, the kind he warned her about when he urged her to make more practical choices with her life. Months later, Greta, still heartbroken and very much adrift, reluctantly agrees to accompany Conrad on the Alaskan cruise her parents had booked to celebrate their 40th anniversary. It could be their last chance to heal old wounds in the wake of shared loss, but the trip will also prove to be a voyage of discovery for them both. And for Ben Wilder, a charming historian on board to lecture about the call of the wild, who is struggling with a major upheaval in his own life. 
As Greta works to build back her confidence and Ben confronts an uncertain future, they find themselves drawn to and relying on each other. Ooh. I just, I, I like the sound of this. I like the Alaskan setting mm-hmm. that it sounds like we're going to have. And this is just an author that I want to try her adult book. So that was The Unsinkable Greta James by Jennifer E. Smith. Mm-hmm. That sounds like it could be really good. I like it. I know. I like the title, okay. too. How about you? For me, this is a recommendation I got from our book talker's mood reader, Happy Hour. And I know this is probably on your list, too, if you haven't read it already. It's called The Day the World Came to Town, 9-11 in Gander, Newfoundland by Jim DeFeed. And this book basically tells you, the title tells you what it's all about. 38 jetliners were bound for the United States, and they were forced to land at Gander International Airport in Canada due to the closing of U.S. airspace on September 11, 2001. And so the population of this small town on Newfoundland swelled from 10,000 or so people to nearly 17,000. And the citizens of Gander met the stranded passengers with an overwhelming display of friendship and goodwill. Because these folks were stranded and they know what's just happened to their home country. I'm sure that they are tired, scared, exhausted, distraught. And they were actually on this plane for nearly 24 hours while security checked all of their baggage. But the townspeople greeted them with the feast and really welcomed these people with open arms. Local bus drivers who had been on strike came off the picket line to transport the passengers to various shelters set up in local schools and churches. They were given linens and toiletries and middle schools provided showers and computers and email and all sorts of things. And basically, this it's a story of this small town and how they really showed up for people that were desperately in need. It sounds like it is a story of humanity. It sounds like it's very heartbreaking. Also, oddly maybe a little bit uplifting in the end. And I have heard that listening to this one is the way to go. I'm really excited for it. And I'm glad that we had one of our patrons bring this to us Mm because I had never heard of it. I know it's pretty popular, but it was new to me. This book is The Day the World Came to Town, 9-11 in Gander, Newfoundland by Jim DeFeed. Yes, that is definitely also on my TBR. Mm -hmm. And just in case Listeners may be wondering what we're talking about. In our Patreon, we, this past month in November, did a mood reader happy hour where everyone brought their latest reads and we all got to know each other over Zoom. And this particular book was the most talked about book of the night as far as what people, some people brought it as a latest, some people brought it as something they wanted to read. So it was a fun little time to add books to our TBR. So mm-hmm. yes, if that, it, I mean, you can always join us. Um. Yeah, we'll definitely do that event again. It was so fun to just see different people and connect and, and hear what their latest reads were. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, that was fun, Renee. That's it for today. We thank you for spending a part of your day with us. Links to all the books mentioned can be found in the show notes. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can help us by following us wherever you listen and by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps us get our podcasts out to new listeners and grows our audience. And don't forget, if you would like exclusive bonus content like the Mood Readers Happy Hour we were just talking about, you can join us over on Patreon for $5 a month. Feedback and questions about the show can be sent to booktalketc at gmail.com. You can also connect with us both at booktalketc on Instagram, Tina at tbretc, and me, Renee, at It's Book Talk. Talk to you next week. In the meantime, remember, everything's better with books.
We did it. We did it. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs>